Hello, church. Hello. Uh, Logan, could you turn this uh, mic off real quick? Yeah, so uh, first thing that I want to uh, speak to you guys about today is our building fund. So um, I, know I don't have that ready for you guys to pull up, so that's okay, but I'll tell you how much we have in our building fund. It's $220,000. $220,000. You guys have done an amazing job. And so what is going on with our building team? We are meeting almost weekly, and we have received some some quotes for a church building, um, some updated ones, and they are looking uh, a little bit more optimistic than we had thought. <clears throat> so keep praying, and we hope that maybe by the end of this month or perhaps next month we'll get one of those quotes uh solidified and anchored so that we can get started on our building um, in the the next few months, we hope. Uh, so keep praying on, on that, and that is, is where our building fund is and the, the program there. Now, speaking of, of new church buildings, um, I heard a story once, and it was about it was about a, a, a church who had, uh, had got together, a, a church congregation, the, the folks had started meeting together, and, and they started to grow, uh, and more people started to be, become part of this church, and, and they grew, and they grew out of the, the, the small place that they were meeting, and, and then they got a different place, and then they grew out of that one, and pretty soon they had a need for a brand new building that they could actually have church in. And so they put all their money together and they, they raised um, money much in the same way that we are raising money for our new building. And then they got enough money to uh, build the place. And, and they did. It was a nice building and they were ready to move into it. And, and everyone was excited for this time, this Sunday, when they would move into that church and have the first service in that church building. They were excited about that. It was, as it drew near, um, everyone was uh, preparing something special. And then the week came. That Sunday was to be the Sunday that they were going to have the first church service in that building. But there was one problem. That week, a huge mound of dirt appeared in the driveway in the entrance to the parking lot of that new church. Huge mound of of dirt, the the uh, local road crew had come through, and some reason, for some reason, they thought that they could just put their dirt right there in the driveway. No one could get into the parking lot of this church, and it was by a busy street, so uh, you couldn't park along the street. What were they to do? No one in the church had a skid steer like here. We would have just moved it out of the way. Uh, no one had a tractor, and it was far too large to shovel by hand. As the week proceeded to wear on, the, there was no way seemingly that they could get this pile of dirt moved. And they prayed about it. And they made phone calls, but they couldn't get anyone hired to move it because everyone was too busy and booked out. Come Friday afternoon, uh, about 5 o'clock, when uh, pretty much the business world stops, they were just about to pick up the phone, the leadership team, 
start making phone calls to cancel a Sunday church service. But before they touched the phone, it rang. Picked up the phone. And it was a, a contractor from across town that had nothing to do with this pile of dirt. They are not the ones who put it there. But they said, hey, we drove by and noticed that you guys have a lot of dirt. Can we buy that dirt from you? Yeah, you can have the dirt. And they said, there's, there's, there's one thing, though. Uh, we need it fast. So we need to get it out tomorrow on Saturday, and we'll be working late into the night. And the leadership team was like, praise God, you can have all the dirt. Sunday morning came, and the parking lot was open, nothing but a, but a, a dirt-stained concrete spot where they could drive through and get into the parking lot. The mountain, the roadblock had been moved. We've been talking about Abraham, or Abram and Sariah. We've been talking about trusting God. Now, God's plan for Abram and Sariah was to start a nation. And he told them this. He flat out told them that this was his plan. We can read it in Genesis chapter 15. And if you would like to follow along in your Bibles, that's where I would direct you to turn. And basically, in, in the, the, the 15th chapter of Genesis, God says, I will protect you, Abraham. I will protect you, and I will bless you. And Abraham, or Abram, as, as it is at this point, says, What good is it, God, to, to bless me with all of the things that you might bless me with, when I have no son to be my heir. I have no one to pass all of my things down to. I have no one to teach my legacy to. What good is it that you bless me? And Abram even said, you've given me no son, God. I'll have to pass my legacy down to a servant. I'll have to leave all of my things. My, my heir will have to be my servant. Verse 4, the Lord said, no. No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Lots and lots of descendants what God says. But there was a roadblock. Abram is 99 years old. What's more, he and his wife had not had any kids so far. At this old of age, 99 and 90, they, they had had no luck with children. And this must leave Abram scratching his head. Descendants. But I have, I have no children. A blessing, but no one to call my own or carry on my legacy. But verse 6 says that Abram believed the Lord. Scratching his head, it doesn't make sense. But he believed the Lord. Then uh, Sariah, 
his wife, must have struggled with this a great deal. And it seems that her lack of faith is getting the best of her, and so she started to take things into her own hands. This is never a good idea, taking things, deciding that uh, you'll make it happen when God doesn't. So she had an idea. And this idea that she had, she thought, well, maybe uh, this will please my husband. And maybe this will please God as well. And so she does something that had, had to be very difficult. Had to be hard for her to do this. She told Abram that he should take her servant Hagar and that Hagar could give them a child and the blessings would go through this child. So that's what she does. She gives her servant Hagar to Abram and they have a baby named Ishmael. Now maybe Sariah really genuinely wanted to please God and so that's why she did it. Uh, maybe Sarai really genuinely wanted to please Abram. And that's why she did that. She was worried, you see, about the physical roadblock. Maybe she even felt like the physical roadblock was all her fault. And Abram, her husband, he went along with it. Now men, here's your Valentine's Day message of a non-traditional sort. You have got to protect the ladies. And sometimes, uh, your expectations are so high that your wives might convince themselves to do something that is wrong to please you. Now, Uh, My wife is very much a rule follower, so I don't have a very good illustration for this case. But when we were first married, um, we we would go to these historical uh, living rendezvous, uh, Native American and mountain man events, and we would uh, dress the part and and throw tomahawks. and, And I probably spoke to you about this before. And when we got married, my wife made this really nice beaded breastplate, you know. And uh, every good warrior at Rendezvous um, would wear his breastplate and and be decorated with the finest of feathers. The native warriors would wear feathers off of exotic, well, not really exotic birds, but uh, birds that are not everyday like a chicken or a sparrow, but feathers off of like eagles and, and owls. And things like this. And so my wife says, says uh, in her mind, probably my warrior must wear feathers off of one of these kind of majestic and wise birds. Uh, even though we're not supposed to. Just anyone can't have those kind of feathers. Well, she found herself a, an owl who had uh, been hit by a car dead on the side of the road and she uh, got some of those feathers off of that owl and, and, and dressed my uh, my, my uh, uh, what did I call that thing? Breastplate up with these uh, feathers so that I could be the warrior that uh, she wanted me to be. And 
then I thought about wearing that amongst all the others who are natives and who would know the difference between a uh, a pheasant feather and an owl feather. And I had to say, I don't think I can wear this in, in rendezvous public. But w- what a thing she could do for me, right? Uh, she loved me so much that um, she was willing to please me at many extents. Men, sometimes our expectations are so high that we lead our wives to do things uh, beyond uh, what they should probably do. Earlier on, uh, Abram told Sariah to claim that she was just his sister because she was so beautiful that he was worried about his own safety. You know, my wife is so pretty, somebody's going to knock me off and and take her. Uh, So he tells her, say you're my sister. And when they went into Egypt, the the Pharaoh wanted her for a wife, because Abram said, you know, she's not my wife, we're not advertising that. And, And so Pharaoh says, she is very beautiful, I want to have her as my wife. And... Um, He gave Abram gifts for this purpose. Abram seems to have accepted them. But you know what? In a time when it doesn't look like Abram stood up, Abram allowed it to happen, God intervened for Abram and Sariah. He stopped it before it went too far. And... Not only did God stop it and prevent it from going down a very bad road, he made an example out of the situation. And the Pharaoh received plagues onto his his people there, and uh, very horrible plagues, it said. And then he kicked um, Abram out, says, says, go on your way and take your wife. Well, We would hope that Abram would learn from his mistake, but it turns out he did the very same thing again uh, a little later on. But we'll talk about that in a minute. So men, protect the women, and not just your woman, but protect all the women around you from uh, two things. Number one, protect them from others. And number two, protect them from yourselves. Make sure that you are being a man of integrity, walking in God's example for you. Don't push them into making bad choices. Don't put them into difficult situations. And when they are about to make a bad choice, rescue them from that. I think of Adam and Eve. Boy, if if Adam would have just said, no, Eve, we don't want to do this. Don't eat that apple. God said not to. If Abram would have told uh, Sariah, no, I know your heart, you want God's blessing and and you want my blessing, but we're not going to do this, uh, your servant thing, to have a child. It's wrong. So there's this physical roadblock that Sariah and Abram have. They are old. They are barren. And this is 
physical. So it's actually more than just a simple roadblock. It's more like a, a brick wall. Slam right up against. But not even like just a brick wall. Because you can climb over a brick wall. More like a mountain. Like a mountain. We know mountains. And, and they're, they're hard to pass, right? If you was a pioneer going towards this mountain. Saying, oh boy, we'll never get over that. But we know, you know, maybe uh, this mountain is even passable because uh, people do climb over these mountains. So maybe it's more like this mountain. Straight up, almost. Like impossible. The, the physical possibilities of a person who hasn't had kids for that many years and they are that old, this is a solid mountain that they have come up against. Hopeless is probably the word that would describe the feeling that they had as far as having descendants. And what does God do with mountains? He moves them. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. When Jesus is talking to his disciples, he says, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move here from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Jesus is telling his disciples this when they are trying to heal a demon-possessed boy, and they couldn't seem to get it done. And we often look at this verse and it says, well, um, they, if, if you would have faith as much as a mustard seed, and you could move that mountain. And so we take that as, if we have faith as much as a mustard seed, then we can move mountains. But what is it that they need to move a mountain? Faith. And what is faith? Trust. Trust in God. Has to be in God. John 15 verse 5 says, Without God, we can do nothing. Apart from God, can't do anything. Now I want you to understand something before we go any further. Uh, We could have all the faith in the world but still there is some things that can't happen I mean all of us could use more faith right there's a trap though that I don't want anyone to get caught up in and I think it happens maybe some of you have had a a loved one that was sick and you prayed for them And they didn't get better, so you blamed it on yourself for not having enough faith. Or maybe you've heard others uh, teach this kind of thing, that if you have cancer and have enough faith, you can overcome it. Now let's be clear. God can do anything according to his character. He can heal anyone from anything. 
And God can do anything with your faith. But it doesn't matter if you have all the faith in the world. You're still not going to live forever because God loves you enough to let you make the journey from this world to his kingdom in all its fullness. And we ain't going to get there unless we die or unless Jesus comes back. And that hinges on having faith like a mustard seed. The Lord worked through the disciples' faith in healing folks. And he might work through your faith to heal someone as well. And I I pray that he does. But I wouldn't count on your faith getting in the way of God and one of his other children. You know the people who we are studying right now in Hebrews chapter 11? 16 out of 17 of them died. The only one that didn't die was Enoch, and he, he walked with God. You can have all the faith in the world, but if it's not in God's plan for you to be on this world any longer, then it's not going to happen. And you can have all the faith in the world, but if it's not in God's plan for you to have children, then that's not going to happen. He's got something that's more important for your life than what you thought was important. You know, we don't, we don't know every detail of God's plan. Some of the most uh, amazing families I've seen, God had a plan for the husband and wife not to have kids in their original way but they fostered uh, children and took care of them that way. What a blessing that is for God to work through us in his way and, and not our own way. In Abraham and, and Sariah's case, his plan was for them to have a baby. And he flat out told them that. At first, all they could see <clears throat> was the physical mountain. And they couldn't find the mustard seed between the both of them to move that mountain. Thirteen years later, after that, Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 through 6. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abraham fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. And what's more, I am changing your name. It will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. God's saying, uh, look Abraham, things are about to get real. And I'm going to change your name to prove it. Probably just as Abraham <clears throat> was, 
was thinking about the blessing of all his descendants coming through his his son Ishmael, you know, the one he had with Hagar, and and how odd it was that uh, the old take the wife servant because she was barren trick seemed to work, even though God hadn't told him to do it that way. And on top of that, it seemed to be contrary to what God had set up as a family institution, one man and one woman. But somehow, Abraham thought, it must have worked because God was telling him again about the blessing of all his descendants. As if God knew what he was thinking, which he did, obviously. He says, verse 15, Then God said to Abraham, Regarding Sariah, your wife, her name will no longer be Sariah. From now on, her name will be Sarah, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of of many nations, kings of nations, will be among her descendants. Mm. Through Sarah. Sarah. God said, I'm serious. I'm changing her name too. Uh, Kings. Kings like King David. And even greater king like King Jesus are going to come from this blessing that God is about to do. Now, Abraham, he's still not buying it. He's he's still not accepting it. You know, he respects God, bows down to God, but, but he doesn't buy it. Verse 17 and 18, Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 99 years old? So Abraham said to God, May Ishmael live under your special blessing. Basically, I, I respect you, God. Uh, but, but I know how hard it would be to use uh, Sariah, sorry God, Sarah, to have a child. So you must mean Ishmael. May Ishmael live under your special blessing. Now because of this, we know that God is patient. God is slow to anger. Because had it been me, or you, or any one of us uh, people in the position of God, dealing with Abram, Abraham right there, and he was laughing at us after we had told him what was going to happen. And he said, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. Then here's probably how we would have dealt with it. Uh, you know, something like, listen, you old fart. I'll do as I want to do. And I've smitten people for less. And oh, by the way, Abraham, your descendants that you don't believe are going to happen, even though I'm telling you are going to happen, uh, your descendants, one of those is going to be a grandson. His name's going to be Jacob, and I'm going to wrestle with him, and he's going to walk with a limp for the rest of his life. And you dare laugh at me. Proverbs chapter 85, uh, verse 15 says that God is slow to anger, though. And so, that's not how God responded to him. Here's how he responds. Verse 19 
God replied, No, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked, I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of twelve princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. God had finished speaking. He left Abraham. He probably left promptly so that Abraham didn't have a chance to laugh again. To Abraham's credit, though, uh, he did circumcise all of the males in his house after this point, which God had told him to do, including himself. And in Genesis uh, chapter 18, verse 9 through 15, uh, God comes to... God comes to Abraham and uh, to tell him again about what's about to happen because still Abraham is, is not getting it. He appears to him and, and starts, uh, starts telling him that uh, he's going to have a son and um, Sarah, verse 9, says, where is Sarah, God says, the, the visitors ask that God sends two, uh, three people here, uh, angels, uh, to speak on God's behalf. He says, she's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then, then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said how could a worn out old worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure especially when my master my husband is so old then the lord said to abraham why did sarah laugh why did she say can an old woman like me have a baby is anything too hard for the lord i will return about this time next year and sarah will have a son and sarah was afraid So she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, No, you did laugh. God said to Abraham, Why did you laugh? Why did Sarah laugh? Probably, if we could add, Did you teach her that? Because that's the same way that you responded to me. She learned that from you. You see, Abraham and Sarah are still half a mustard seed short. But wait, why are we talking about Abraham and Sarah in the first place? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11 and through 12, says it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. So a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. There's no way to count 
them. So we are going through a series of trusting God, of having faith in God. And this chapter in Hebrews uh, says a, a list of folks that are faithful to God and they put their faith in God. So far, Abraham and Sarah seem to be failing. And they're supposed to be our example? But we know they had faith because the scripture that we just read said so. We know that it was by faith that Sarah was able to have Isaac. So something must have happened in that year between the time when they were laughing at God and the time when Sarah gives birth to Isaac. What happened in, in this in-between time? Well, the simple answer for that is, is life. Life happens. The same kind of life that happens to us every day. There are good things that happen and bad things that happen in life. But if we open the eyes of our heart, like the song says, and see God's hand working in life, then what's going to grow? Our faith. Our faith. And so some things happen in between this time, during this year. And we'll go through chapter 18, uh, verse 16, through chapter 20 really quickly. And It's in your own life. You've seen good times and bad times. And I pray that you've seen God working through all of it. And if you have, my guess is that your faith has grown as a result. So in these, in these chapters in the in-between time, here's what life looks like for Abraham and Sarah. Um, in chapter 18, we see a story uh, about Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, these towns are wicked. These cities are wicked places. And uh, God lets, lets Abraham know that uh, something may happen to these towns because they're all uh, wicked and the verse 20 says that I'm going to see, see their actions. I'm going down to see their actions, God said, because they're as wicked as I have heard. Then uh, something bad is going to happen to these towns. And Abraham says, says, no, what about, suppose you find 50 righteous people living in, in Sodom because his nephew Lot lives there right now. So Abraham says, suppose you find 50 righteous people there. Will you spare it, Lord? And God says, okay, if I find 50 righteous people there, I will spare the city and I won't destroy it. And So Abraham says, suppose you find 45 people that are righteous. God says, okay, 45. And Abraham says, how about 40? Um, God says, okay, 30? 30? Yeah, maybe, maybe 20. And he works himself down to 10 people. God, if you find 10 people that are righteous in the city of Sodom, then will you spare that city? My nephew Lot's there. God says, okay. Ten people righteous in that town. I won't destroy it. 
that very evening, two angels went to Sodom. And Lot was there, and he welcomed them in. The people in the city, they wanted to abuse these two angels in the worst of ways, which was confirmation that in this city there were not even ten righteous people. But Abraham, you see, he had been praying to God for Lot to be spared. Genesis chapter 19, verse 29 tells us this, but God had listened to Abraham's request and kept Lot safe, removing him from the disaster. From that verse we know that Abraham had been praying for Lot and he couldn't find God couldn't find ten righteous people, but because Abraham had been praying for Lot, he took Lot out of the city, and then he destroyed it. A city destroyed, and a loved one spared, because Abraham talked to God. Sarah and Abraham's mustard seed now is starting to grow. And then they move south, to the Negev in chapter 20 of Genesis. While living there as a foreigner, Abraham introduced his wife, Sarah, by saying, she is my sister. Seems like we're taking a step back. So King Abimelech, he sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his palace. Again, does this sound familiar? But that night, God came to Abimelech in a dream and told him, You're a dead man, for that woman you have taken is already married. Abimelech, the king, he says, I didn't know. Abraham didn't tell me that. He said she was his sister. God says, I know, I know you're innocent. Now give her back to her husband, And he will pray for you. That's kind of interesting. And not only did the king give Sarah back to Abraham, but he gave Abraham sheep and goats and cattle and servants and land and 1,000 pieces of silver to compensate for any wrong that he may have done. Now remember earlier on, God had told Abraham that he would bless him and keep him safe. He would protect Abraham. And so, uh, why? Uh, Why are we seeing some of this take place? Uh, Can you imagine with me uh, a famous person, which God said he would make Abraham famous, a famous person in a crowded area, and they would have uh, perhaps a security guard with them in a crowded area in the city, in the public. And if someone comes running up to this famous person, the security guard is going to take them out, tackle them. And perhaps the, the person running up just wanted an autograph or a handshake, but the security guard didn't know that. Proper precaution was to take them out, tackle them, and keep them from getting from the person that they are protecting. In 
this case, Abraham is protected. Looks like uh, this seems to be the case with Abraham and Abimelech. Genesis chapter 20, verses 17 and 18. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his female servants so they could have children. For the Lord God had caused all the women to be infertile because of what happened with Abraham's wife. Looks like Abraham messed up again and put his wife in danger. Almost gave her away again. But they witnessed God protecting them. Their lives... Uh, Their marriage was protected by God and not just by protecting them, but by blessing them. Did you catch what happened in that verse? For the Lord had caused all the women to be infertile because of what happened with Sarah. Nobody in King Abimelech's household could have babies. Was it? Abimelech's fault? Maybe he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But God said there would be protection. And he did protect Abraham and Sarah. And the king, the king is repentant. Not that he did anything wrong. But he just understands that a wrong almost happened. So he apologizes and he goes out of way to make it right. Say, someone in, uh, in a nice shiny car, someone who has a, a very, very new car, they're driving along, and you have an older car, and you smash into them because you ran the stop sign. It's your fault. You uh, smash into their car. It's a fender bender. No one is, is hurt. And that person in that nice, fancy car... Uh, gets out, and that person pays for your vehicle to be fixed on top of their own. And then they call you later on that week to make sure you're feeling all right and to cover any other costs that uh, they may have missed in the first place. Like This doesn't happen, right? That person would be a really special person. So Abimelech has an injury from being taken out for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. His household can't have children. He has a smashed up vehicle that won't work anymore because of a careless driver, Abraham. The injury is nobody in the king's family could have babies because of what happened to Sarah. It's kind of interesting. It's like God saying, you just about have a full mustard seed, Abraham. You just about have one. But there's one more thing that I need you to do. Remember when I told you that you guys would have a baby? You and Sarah, and you both laughed? See this. I am El Shaddai. God Almighty. I can say 
that no one has babies and no baby will be born. I can say that you will have a baby and a baby will be born. Now Abraham and Sarah, get out your mustard seed of faith and tell me that I can do what I have said. Believe that I will keep my promise. So verse 17 says, Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his female servants so they could have children. And this is where Abraham and Sarah's mustard seed become solid. This is where they gain their place in Hebrews chapter 11. Because the very next thing that happens, chapter 21, verse 1, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. So she became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. Baby Isaac. Baby Isaac, everyone is laughing now. But this time, the laughter is not one of doubt, but one of faith. One of trust. God is almighty. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. Now I know for a fact that God has a plan for every one of you listening to me today. And the first part of that plan is that you put your faith in the Lord Jesus and receive forgiveness and the salvation that he has to offer. It is his plan that you have a key to the kingdom of God. If you've never done that, there's no better time than right now. The second part of this plan is this. Listen and obey. The Lord has a plan for you beyond salvation. And that is to have an active part in His kingdom. Now, I don't know what God's plan is for you individually and personally in your life. But I do know it's good and perfect and pleasing. So I want you to pull that mustard seed out of your pocket and use it. I know none of us are perfect, but neither were Abraham and Sarah. But by faith, the mountain could not stand in the way. Pray with me. O Lord God, God Almighty, we come to you now with thanksgiving for all the blessings that you have given us. We submit to your will, God, and we are grateful that you can use us. Lord, we give ourselves 
to your purpose. And Lord, we accept your forgiveness. Jesus, we know that you came to this earth so that we could be free from our sin, and that's why you died and was raised again. We give our lives to you. Lord, we trust you, Jesus.